Do you think if you are in a sleeping bag that you are a pocket? Or do you think a sleeping bag is a big pocket? I would see it more like a burrito. But then again, is a burrito just a pocket for food? But well, it's not a pocket because it's like until you take a bite out of it, it's shut at both ends. So it's more like a uh, like a can of Pringles. Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Anand Harsh, Editor-in-Chief of TheUns.com and Bill's political consultant. Now that Trump is out of office, Republicans are going to be looking for a new racist firebrand to lead them into the Fourth Reich. And I feel deep in my soul that Bill is that person. So look out, CPAC 2021. We're coming for you. Bill's guest today is YouTuber and meme lord Frank Jassy. He's at the confluence of music and memes. You might have seen his tutorials on how to make Simpson Wave or Chill Wave or Future Bass or Deep House. He's going to mock the genre while also showing you how to make it. And lo and behold, his tunes actually bang. So jokes on you, me, the music industry? I don't know. I, I got lost. But this is a damn enjoyable conversation. Frank's the man. Support for the Mr. Bill podcast comes from Cryptic Coast. Cryptic Coast is an independent record label and music magazine hoping to connect up-and-coming artists with music lovers. The community is growing, and new musical content is added to the library often, such as articles like What Makes Music Good and A Brief History of Dubstep. They have recently launched a clothing line for anyone who wishes to support the brand. This includes sleek streetwear designs that will help you look more fashionable for the new year. If you're interested in exploring new music, want to check out some of the designs, want to expand your breadth of knowledge involving music, or if you're an artist that would like to join the interactive community, go to crypticcoast.com. Use code MrBill10, that's M-R-B-I-L-L-1-0, for 10% off any product on the site. Thank you for supporting this show on Patreon. It helps keep the show going and also grants fans early access to episodes and ad-free versions of the show. We're working on some cool shit for patrons in 2021, so make sure you're getting on board. You can join for as little as $1 per month. Come on now. Head over to patreon.com slash MrBillsTunes to get a full list of perks. Finally, please head over to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up to become a hardcore Abletoneer. You get full access to Bill's project files, access to a bunch of sample packs, including the brand new massive collection Spectra, and you can enter our Spectra contest running now until February 22nd. Make a tune, win some prizes, and gain the admiration of one of the world's most brilliant Ableton minds. All right, here's Bill's chat with Frank Jassy. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. all right cool well i think we're good to go this is my first ever zoom call wait really yeah i don't use zoom i use discord whenever i talk to people oh nice kitty in the background i have four of them four it's a lot of cats yeah this one's name is uh youtube actually really what a what a good name 
Yeah. <laughs> My cats are named uh, Mimi after the meme and uh, Gary because he's scary. Then I got Versace after the fashion designer and Mew Mew after the other fashion designer. Oh, nice. Wait, you said one of your cat's name is Gary? And they're all black. Yeah, because he's scary. Well, he's scared of everything, so his name is just Gary, like the SpongeBob snail. Oh, right. Um, so I'm like super into chess, and I follow this subreddit called Anarchy Chess, and it's basically mm-hmm. just a bunch of chess memes. And um, yeah. one of the, like, the main meme in that subreddit is that the so you know how the like best player in the world for a long time was Gary Kasparov. Um, everyone in that uh, mm-hmm. subreddit calls him Gary Chess. Is he the one that beat the it, computer multiple times? No, the computer beat him. Oh, rest he might in have beaten peace. the computer, but definitely at some point the computer beat him, and it was like some. It was in like nineteen ninety six or something when Deep Blue beat him or whatever. But yeah, anyway, the point of the story is that yeah. uh, in this subreddit, everyone calls him Gary Chess, and they think he's the inventor of chess. Cool. Um, yeah. I was going to say, do you sometimes bring in your chess skills into real life? Like this conversation right now, is it a chess game? Uh, not really. No, I don't, I don't actually see how chess relates to like anything else other than chess. It's one of those things where really? like, if, you, if you're good at chess, it's like it doesn't necessarily mean you're good at like literally anything else. So, so, so the same thing with like producing music, right? Like... A lot of people think because I know a lot about Ableton that I'm just generally smart, but that's just not the case yeah. at all. I just don't think like knowing a lot of shit about Ableton translates over to like, I don't know what to do in a first aid situation or like, you know, how to look after a tattoo. I like to believe <laughs> my whole life is balanced. Like I try to be average at everything. So like one of my first music names was a red mage with the with threes instead of an e because in final fantasy the red mage is like the one that could learn everything but doesn't master anything right. so i've kind of taken that philosophy in my life just be average at everything <laughs> that's actually i mean but i put a lot of um, i put a lot of skill points in music cuz like i'm obsessed with like when i think about like why i like music i just like vibrations and waves like i go to like the really weird like fundamental like wiggly parts of it and that's the thing that draws me to it the most yeah i mean honestly if you could be like completely average at literally everything i think that would be better than being the best in the world at one thing and really bad at everything else right yeah like if i could choose or like you could be really good at everything but one thing is off like you can't like i don't know (laughs) like you what with that one off thing it needs to be like something funny cooking uh, you can't cook like you you just like can't put things in your pockets to save your life every time you try to you just like <laughs> drop the object on the floor and you're like god this is too hard i think if you'd be like a genius at everything else you'd invent something like oh i'm really into like fanny packs for some reason oh yeah then even putting stuff in that fanny pack is what i invented it was like some guy who was insanely good at like i don't know pool or something like that and he, he just couldn't put things in his pockets he was like this is too hard i need a front pocket <laughs> and then like made a fanny pack pockets are so essential like i used to fuck heavy with like the cargo short aesthetic because like have you ever played kingdom hearts like they had zippers and pockets for like no reason on their character design i have not Okay, well, anyways, it was like a 2000s thing. Like, I'm really obsessed with the 2000s right now. I'm really stuck in, like, nostalgia bubbles, but I'm really, like, digging more into the 2000s. Like, when emo was at its height and, like, EDM music was, like, Daft Punk and, like, Justice and all that, like, other good stuff. Like, I'm really obsessed with that era. But, like, in that time, like, people really like having accessories over function where I think now we're being more minimal because of the way technology is increasing. Mm, Yeah, I agree with that. Do you think 
if you are in a sleeping bag that you are a pocket? Or do you think a sleeping bag is a big pocket? I would see it more like a burrito. But then again, is a burrito just a pocket for food? But well, it's not a pocket because it's like until you take a bite out of it, it's shut at both ends. So it's more like a uh, yeah. like a can of Pringles. I mean, I've never been in a sleeping bag, so I wouldn't know. Really? That's one of my things. I don't go camping. I'm, I'm an urban youth that has been stuck in my area. Really? You've I wish I could turn camping. on my microphone because like my mic, my webcam just broke like yesterday. It started glitching. I was like, oh, that's cool. And then it won't turn on anymore. Oh, weird. I've never had a webcam break. Yeah, it was like someone I got off of uh, Amazon. So I got another one. It should be coming soon. So you're like the Ableton guy, right? I'm like the exact opposite. I'm like the FL Studio dude. So I think it's so weird when like music producers like cross DAW. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've watched a few of your videos. It seems like um, <clears throat> mostly uh, the value that I was getting out of them is that they were funny more so than I was learning things about Fruity Loops. But um, would you consider yourself like a really like like a FL power user? I don't know. Like, what even is an FL power user? Is that like a code word for like, uh, you get paid by FL Studio to produce tutorials for them? Something like that. (laughs) Because I have a huge like gripe with FL Studio. Like, they came at my throat and they're like, you have to delete 30 videos because you promote piracy. And I was like, damn shoddy, okay. (laughs) So like, my channel's like kind of a shell of what it once was. I used to have like, um, like a bunch of tutorials, but I would straight up tell kids, I'm like, if you can't afford FL Studio, (laughs) I would go on pirate (laughs) pay. And that's where, like, all the legal trouble came in. I had to delete so many videos. It was so bad. Damn. Yeah, I'm looking at your channel now. It looks like you haven't uploaded in two years. Yeah. Well, it's actually three years coming soon because we're in 2021 now. Damn. How come you still I still think it's 2020. Um, I started focusing on other things because I already had an audience, like a built-in audience. So I started focusing on, like, Spotify and streaming Mm. So I started like trying to hone my skills. Like when I first started, they were all shit posts. Like I didn't put a lot of effort into it. I didn't really, I guess like care. I would just like, I'm going to be LOL XD random and see what, what comes up of it. My first big video, like that was called how to vaporwave. Cause, um, it was back in like 2014 and I always thought vaporwave was kind of like pretentious. Like a lot of the people I knew were like kind of pretentious about it. So I wanted to make fun of them. And little did I know that kind of like, irk them in a weird way where they shared it with all their friends like they'd be like god i hate this guy look at this video it became like a viral marketing campaign where it went off but i that was also my first taste of the youtube algorithm because i I remember tagging like every big vaporwave release in the credits with uh with the channel links and stuff like that so it became like a hub for like if you had no idea what it was you would scroll down and be like oh i want to listen to this album that album and became like a launching point where, like, a lot of people tell me, like, oh, the first time I heard of Vaporwave was from your video. But I was, like, more into, like, you know, the whole, like, moo culture on 4chan, like, music boards and, like, Facebook music groups. So I was, like, kind of, like, obsessed with the culture that I wanted to kind of, like, make my own, like, satirical version of it. And then I started doing, like, a bunch of comedic how-tos where it's, like, how to make Chill Wave, how to make a Future Bass, how to make, uh, what was the other one, Happy Hardcore, and, like, all these other, like, niche things. And it just kind of took off and people started finding my content from there. And then, like, the whole FL Studio thing, like, kind of, like, cut my channel in half. And I was just like, fuck, well, I might as well just start getting better at producing and, like, making, (laughs) uh, I I guess, like, songs. I I consider myself a songwriter more than, like, a producer. Like, I love writing songs from serious to dumb. Mm -hmm. Wait, hold on. I need to listen to this this top-played song on your Spotify real quick to see if it's what I'm thinking it is. Huh. I don't think this is what I think it is. The Simpson, Simpson Wave, 1995. Yeah, do you want a story about that one? 
Yeah, I, I thought it was a different song. I thought it was the one that um sampled uh that ding 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 that like old funk tune or whatever it was. But then it also like no, I'm thinking of like a different thing. It's an interpolation of Home's Resonance. So have you heard the song Home Resonance? It's like a big uh, synthwave meme song. Like it has like hundreds of millions of streams. So like this is back on Tumblr because I followed uh, the producer on Tumblr and he wrote something along the lines of like, my album was in a Frank Jeff C video and it was the most I've ever cringed in my life or something like that. And I was like, out of spite, I was like, I'm going to recreate your most famous song and call it Simpson Wave. But um, that was like early internet, like, you know, beef and stuff. Like, I think uh, Home's a really good producer and like I still follow their career and see where they're going. But like, it's so weird that like that song became kind of like, um, like, you know, do you know Vaporwave at all? Like the whole genre and like how it yeah, sounds and understand what, what most it producers is. do with it? Yeah, it's like s- sort of trying to emulate that old like nostalgic vibe, but using kind of like retro synth noises from like, I don't know, old oberheims run through like vhs tape sounding shit and whatnot with like lo-fi sounding sort yeah, of so 80s drum beats under it i just uh vaporwave that track and at the time i was a part of like all these like vaporwave facebook groups and like all art groups and stuff like that and there was this one guy his name was like lucian hughes and he was uh uploading like super sad synth songs to like simpsons footage and then like all the kids were like spreading it like crazy so i was like i'll do my own version of that so that was like my most played track of all time um i think just because of the meme that's maybe why i thought it was the song that i had heard because i i think i remember seeing one of those videos that was like a simpsons thing uh but like you know, yeah the I'm, best ones are with blank banshee songs where it's like i'm just a kid uh that, that's the one i'm thinking kid. of yeah. that's literally the one i'm thinking of yeah blank banshee's so cool i saw them when they performed live in la and i was like oh my god it's it's real they're a real person <laughs> it's just one one person because <laughs> i like yeah it's it's weird like the internet like i feel like i'm very internet which means i'm very niche so it's like a small subsection of like a subsection is like really passionate about this sort of sound and this sort of aesthetic. So like when you see it in real life, it, it's so jarring sometimes to know that like it exists out in the wild. Like I've been to like a lot of like EDM festivals and stuff like that. And like, it, it's all fun. But like when it comes to like this sort of niche stuff, seeing it live is like so trippy. Like there was this big vaporwave festival called Electronicon. And like, I went to that one and it was like really like bizarre to see like, um, like this slowed down music. It was like ambient music played to like a big <laughs> festival group. <laughs> Yeah, true. Yeah, I wonder how yeah big like vaporwave at Coachella would go or something. I never really thought about that. Mm, mm. I would see it as like it's it's more like ambient for millennials and zoomers. Like it's their new sort of like background sound, like Brian Eno esque. You know what is like a music zoomer? You, a zoomer is like the people born like ninety six to like two thousand six, I think, or two thousand ten. Uh, so people so, born into technology. Okay, so like I, well, I was born in '88, so I'm not a Zoomer, but am I a millennial then? Yeah, millennials like '82 to '96, I believe. So I'm '92, so I'm like a millennial, later okay, millennial. And what, what's after Zoomers? I don't know. Um, the I, I guess after Z would go back so to A Alpha. Zoomers. Yeah, are people born in COVID times known as like the end times, <laughs> no, no, the last right. generation? <laughs> maybe <laughs> dude i seen him i mean that's where that comes from the the boomers memes are all from like generational gaps but i one of the things i fuck with the most is like time eras like i'm really into eras like 
I'm into the 2000s, the 90s, the 80s, 70s, 60s. I'm really into time. Like, I fuck with time so heavy. That's probably why I'm a musician, because time is, like, my thing. Mm. So I just Googled what kumas are, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, an image of some... It's, like, some stick image drawn of, like, some disheveled-looking man with, like, bloodshot eyes. (laughs) Do you uh, remember the Rage comics? Yes. Yeah, it's the decade later. That's the next generation of Rage comics. Yeah, and there's just like a bunch of words around it and it says shit like shoots massive loads, doesn't even know anything about politics, just fucking cooms. And then in quotes, <laughs> ah, I'm cooming. And then extremely... See, I think that's all propaganda. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's like just like a weird way to control people somehow. You're like, haha, silly image. But like, that's why I fuck with memes too. Memes, I think of memes of like an as an organic being. Like it's like this weird living entity that exists on the internet. Isn't, like, yeah, it might be an image or a video. Isn't that like the but I think, actual definition of meme though? Because like if you, if you look in... I'm looking at the Merriam-Webster dictionary right now and it says... A meme is an idea, behavior, style, or usage that spreads from person to person within a culture. Yeah, it's a virus. Sometimes, like, even memes, like, songs can become memes. If you make a song that's a virus, it just reprograms everyone, and everyone's like, let's call it hyperpop. Mm, Or, like, let's call it future funk. Or what's another genre that's blowing up right now? I don't know. TikTok is, like, one of those... It's like, um, you know, like the COVID, like, supercells? Like, that's definitely, like, a super area where you could get infected very easily. Wait, what is a COVID supercell? No, like, what, what are they called? Like, where people, like, why we're not supposed to go to parties because uh, people get sick really quickly. Like, it gets spread really quickly. Whereas, oh, like, when the algorithm promotes content to, like, infect other people really quickly, that's, like, a, a spot for it is TikTok. Right. Yeah. Dude, fucking... You're in LA, right? Yeah, I was born and raised here. Oh, crazy. Whereabouts in LA? Because it's like a... What I notice about LA is you go like... You drive 10 minutes down the road and you're in sort of like a different city. Yeah, it's kind of like a... Like I would say it like a, a jigsaw puzzle of different neighborhoods and towns. Usually split up by race and ethnicity and like uh, like money. So it's like you have the rich part of town that's a certain race and you have the poor part of town that's a certain race. And it's like, it's like a quilt. But I, I really like living in LA not for like the I guess the like commercial appeal or like collabing artistically and stuff like that but just because it's like where western civilization to me ends like everyone like went all the way around the world manifest destiny and this is the point where it's like oh okay where do we go from here and Hollywood and all the other stuff but I don't know um LA is interesting it's expensive I don't like that aspect of it like if I lived anywhere else in America I'd have a three-bedroom two-bath but I live in like a kind of like weird government housing area because like the freeway was supposed to come through here but it never went through (laughs) um it's on the east side so i live on like the east side of los angeles oh nice yeah i just moved to san francisco at the start of the year so i i feel you it's a an expensive city also how are you liking it so far though it's good i really like it here i mean i think just california in general has good weather it's really nice like yeah. it's winter right now and it's uh what's the weather right now? It's like spring weather. I went out for a walk. Yeah, I had a lot of nervous energy before this. degrees Celsius outside right now. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't know what that means in uh Fahrenheit. I think it's like 70 or 80. 75, yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah, so that's like the perfect temperature to just go outside and just run around. It was so beautiful today. So I guess the weather's also a part of it too. I miss the the nightlife. I used to go out a lot. 
Um, I would just Uber everywhere because I don't have a car. So I would just like be like, time to Uber to downtown. I really love like the warehouses in downtown. Like there was this one place called, I'm trying to remember it. Uh, Chewing Foil. There you go. Chewing Foil. Shouts out to Chewing Foil. I threw my birthday party there. We I had a 90s house rave night. So I have like my Frank Jeffsy original stuff. And then I did like a 90s house DJ set, but that was before I DJed. So I just downloaded a bunch of videos and then I put them into one long, like two hour long video and had that play on the background while I just talked to people and like danced and stuff. And it was like really cool. Oh, uh, yeah. It looks like it's in Koreatown. Yeah. Just like a little bit north of downtown. Nice. Yeah. I actually just had but a buddy. I don't know how they're doing. Yeah. Sorry, uh-huh. go. Oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say I had a buddy who was living in uh, Koreatown. And I, so I spent a bit of time there. Okay, cool. Yeah, that area is interesting. I like uh like getting uh like of course like Korean barbecue down over there. And then they also have really cool karaoke spots, like really like small rooms. Like one of my things is I love karaoke. Like I love singing and just being loud in general. So like if if anytime like well like hopefully after all this is over, I'd love to go with my friends to just like uh karaoke. Like I have like my my list of go-to karaoke's I know that everyone will sing along to. Nice. Yeah. Currently karaoke must be one of the worst things to do, right? In terms of like spitting aerosols on other people. Yeah. I remember I went, the last time I went was, uh, February, right before everything closed down. And like the, uh, karaoke place I went to was like a little ahead of its curve. Like they had like super like hand sanitizers. They had like these things on top of the microphones, like removable, like a little, like, what are they like fabric things? So you could only put germs on that and then take it off. Hmm. Oh, that's good. That's good that they are. My go-to, yeah, my go-to karaoke song is Smash Mouth's All Star. Like I, <laughs> I used to do that when I when I did shows, like just for fun. I was like, I need you guys to sing along with me. And like anyone around my age range is just like, as soon as uh, All Stars comes on, like they just know it instantly. Like that's one of those like uh, traditional classic bangers. Yeah, I think that's because like if you're a millennial. Uh, you were like, you know, on Sunday morning, usually watching TV or some shit. And I don't know about like how stuff was here, but in Australia on Sunday morning, there was always like some, I don't know, like best video clip show playing or whatever, like Rage or some crap or like MTV sort of thing. And it would just be like yeah. playing that shit all the time. Like All Star would play like three times every Sunday morning. And I love that music so much. Like, I kind of wish we had, like, a, a resurgence of that. Have you also ever heard of, like, Shrek, that one, right? like, like I, I forgot. Sh- Sorry. Um, yeah, I think Shrek, like, Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah, it was in Shrek. That's, that's, a, that's a banger. I also do, like, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. I don't know if you've listened to that one. That one's a banger, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, that's a good tune. I learned that on guitar when I was in high school. Wake me up. I've been practicing my vocal fries because I want to get like that new metal growl because I've been wanting to do like more like new metal stuff for some reason. So I've been like listening to like a lot of Linkin Park and just trying to get that. Oh, nice. Can you can you give me an example? How early on YouTube? mm, Like I was going to say, how early on YouTube were you like were you on like in 2005? Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you remember like the Linkin Park Dragon Ball Z AMV videos? Uh, I did not. Okay, it was basically they would cut footage of Dragon Ball Z. Like, have you ever heard the anime Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, so they would be fighting and it'd be set to like Linkin Park music videos. So like, that was like one of the first time I was like, you could just do this. 
And then I realized that uh, Chester's voice, when he does his screaming stuff, is like, what I've done. It's like the same sound of like Goku going like, ah. So like it's the same frequency range and evicts the same emotion. And I was like, holy shit, this is so perfect. So like being like 12 years old, seeing that, I'm like, holy fuck, this is the coolest shit ever. <laughs> and now kids still do that. They make trap versions. Like they'll play like some crazy distorted trap over like anime fight scenes. And it's like the same vibe. It just keeps going in a circular motion. Huh, interesting. I didn't know people were still doing that. I don't um, look into anime usually that much. The one that I've watched recently that I thought was actually pretty cool is one called One Punch Man. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I've seen like the first six episodes with my friends on Discord, but I don't like watching stuff alone, so I didn't finish it, and they ended up finishing it without me. (laughs) Why don't you like watching stuff alone? I don't know. I don't like being alone. I feel like I'm... Like, on the spectrum of introvert to extrovert, I'm more extroverted than introverted. Hmm. So, like, I constantly need stimulation. So, I'm like, even when I'm alone, I'm, I can't be alone. That's why I make music or do do something creative. Have you ever tried meditating? Yeah. I mean, I really, like, I was going to say earlier, like, I really like the wave function of music. And I like brain waves. Like, I used to um, make my own binaural waves. Like, I have, like, different uh, binaural waves that would flow with, like, light. So, like, when you see light, that's a one. And when you see darkness, that's a zero. And it's, like, the same thing of a curve when it goes above uh, the zero point. That's, like, a on and off switch. So, I'd make, like, 8 hertz binaural waves, 12, 16... 40 and like just practice to see what it would do to my body oh right yeah that's a little different though because that's um like still doing something right to try and like be not alone yeah because it's like meditation like your brain slows down uh like to alpha wave state when you're meditating so i just create like an alpha wave binaural wave and just like kind of pump it into my ears and try to like get to that like deep place or like go deeper below Mm. i used to also hide them in my videos too oh really like just low level in the background yeah and like (laughs) they're yeah like because you know how like the human ear can only hear up to like maybe 20 hertz i was like okay if 12 hertz is alpha wave i'll just put in a 12 hertz sine wave that's just on the bottom and see if it does anything to someone (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome the data honestly I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it did anything because most people are probably watching on their phones that can't even like replicate that. So like, well, also it just caused a I weird think, low hum in my video. Yeah, well, probably also um, YouTube's compression just like completely filters that stuff out to save space, and on top of that, like if you had a limiter on there or something, it probably just converted that into distortion or something. Yeah, it turned the entire track into noise, so I sound extra crunchy for some reason. Um, so, you know, John Cage's 433? Yes. Yeah. So when that was on Spotify originally, um, you know how Spotify has like a normalized function? Uh, it would try and normalize mm-hmm. it, it was to just negative 13 loss and it would just be like a blast of white noise. <laughs> they fixed it since then. I've heard people try to copyright uh, white noise, like just random noise and sometimes like... Uh, ocean sounds or something so like if you make a random white noise burst it'd be like uh-uh it sounds like 700 other tracks oh wow yeah that's a, that's fucking pretty smart actually <laughs> i was gonna say like oh that's yeah i was actually thinking person, about like that's actually really smart starting a side project where it's like uh ocean noises or just asmr sounds like just those sounds <laughs> like do, do you get um asmr at all 
Uh, no. So actually, ASMR is a form of synesthesia, which is um, yeah. If you basically synesthesia is like uh, when you experience one sense, it triggers another. So the common one that you yeah. always hear about is um, chromatic synesthesia, or is it, or chrome, whatever it is. It's where somebody hears music and sees color. Uh, or sees visual stuff associated with music. But there's other ones where like people hear certain sounds and it like makes them feel certain things like ASMR as an example. And then there's also other ones where yeah. if people eat certain things and taste certain things that they are, they will like see certain things and hear certain things. And there was this guy I was listening to on a podcast who said that every time he eats strawberries, if they're like slightly unripe, it sounds like cymbals crashing, like just marching band drum, like, <laughs> and um, he sees yeah. like splashes of aqua as he's eating them. So he, he like purposefully eats like unripe strawberries all the time just so he gets these splashes of aqua and these like um, cymbal crashing sounds going and it apparently is a good experience for him. And then there's this other guy who I was listening to on the same podcast. This was a, the, the latest 20,000 Hertz pod, podcast um, who if he eats like ice cream and food, fish and orange juice or something like that um it like makes every, like those three particular things on their own make stuff go blue um for him Ooh. and he really likes it when everything goes blue because he's like it's really calming and really nice so he said whenever his wife goes out of town he makes this thing which is basically like fish and ice cream and orange juice and he's like i can't make it when my wife's home because she just finds it so disgusting but like when he eats that meal, like those three things together, he's like, it's just the bluest shit ever. And he's like, it's the coolest experience. <laughs> he's just tripping out. He's like, whoa. I think it's so crazy how the brain synthesizes stuff like that. Like, it's just like everyone has a different human experience. Like, I like to think of everything being subjective except for like maybe math, you know? Like, it's like, oh, these are, like, objective truths. But, like, everyone just has, like, a different taste and different vibe. Yeah, like, so there's a section of the brain called the V2. I just Googled it to, to check. Um, and it said V2 or secondary visual cortex, also called a prestriate cortex, is the second major area in the visual cortex and the first region within the visual association area. And it, strong, it receives strong feed-forward connections from V1. Basically, um, like if you're looking at the brain using fMRI uh, and you see that part light up, it usually means that the person is looking at some colors, right? And a lot of um, yeah. synesthetes, I think is what you would call them, um, when mm -hmm. they experience like these colors uh, through eating or listening to music or whatever, um, if they're being also observed with fMRI, they can see that V2 thing light up in their brain, which is pretty cool. That's really interesting. I actually made a video a long time ago called like the color of sound where I talk about like the visual aspect of it and how like uh, the frequency response also correlates to notes on a piano and how like certain tones could be perceived as colors if you create like a color piano. But like personally for me, I really like the color red because it's just bassy and deep and also very powerful like it stands out. And um, I guess it would be like red and purple would be like my colors that I'm always go to and like I need purple um i don't know just like especially in like the vaporwave scene it's very like purple pastel colored very cool mm, yeah it's like all pretty larry and colorful for sure like what is the sound of reverb to you i would say gray because it's just kind of like this 
tail, you know, uh, it depends. I mean, it's, it depends what you send through the reverb, right? And it also depends on like the diffusion. Like if you have the diffusion network doing some like low pass filtering stuff, um, so it's like, you know, darker sounding, then I would say it sounds maybe, yeah, more gray. But if it's like doing some high pass sounding stuff, I would say it sounds maybe more white. So I'm, I'm going to make like a, a little observation about this, but I think one of the main reasons we even make music is because it transports us to places. Like when I'm asking you to describe like reverb, you're like coming up with all these like abstract thoughts about what is like a reverb. But I think like music is very like trans. I don't know what the, what the word I'm looking for, but like it transports you. Yeah, transcendent. And it transcends you into like another realm of like being or existing for a moment. So the most transcendent thing, actually, which I also found out through a podcast, is your olfactory system, which is your like smell system. Apparently, um, being at like smelling something is like the the biggest, or, or at, least, at least for memory, it's like the biggest, um, like the thing that like brings back memories the the most is your olfactory yeah. system. But yeah, I kind of agree. Music is pretty damn good at like taking you to another place that isn't necessarily a memory, but like rather a synthesized place in your brain. Like what's what's the most synthesized place your brain has taken you to through music before? Like what's the, the most transcendent experience you've had with music? I mean, I feel like it was mostly because of other substances like Magic Mushroom or LSD that were like really amplified it. But, like, there are times I just cry to music if I'm sad. Like, if it sounds really pretty, I'll be like, oh, my God, I want to cry. Okay, I'll cry. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, sometimes it's just, like, certain chords. Like, I'll listen to, like, a random lo-fi hip-hop thing. And, like, I'll imagine, like, the feeling of those chords and it makes me emotional. Or, like, I guess there's a lot of times, like, in my youth. Like, I, I realized this uh, early on. Like, I kind of grew up with the idea of listening to music by yourself. Whereas, like, before any other time, you had to listen to music with people. But now, like, because of technology, we listen to music in our headphones. Sometimes it's a very private thing. So, like, you kind of build your own... Like, when I was younger, I used to build, like, fantasy visions to, like, all the songs I'd listen to. Like, I'd listen to, like, Nirvana or, like, Linkin Park or, like, MCR, like, aggressive rock and roll music. And then as I got older, I was like, cool, hip-hop music. And then, like, now recently I've been stuck in, like techno trance from the 90s like i'm really into like euro house but like even then all those songs take me somewhere if i close my eyes and i could envision it like i love listening to euro house right now because it reminds me of being around a lot of people in the club having fun laughing throwing your hands up jumping around you know stuff like that so that's why i've been listening to it more and like disco too i've been super into disco i have a playlist on my spotify that has like i want to say like a hundred plus hours of just disco music <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's actually a crazy point that i didn't really think about i um for most of quarantine have sort of stopped making bangers and mostly has have just well for, for, for at least the first half of it um was just interested in making like idm and like chiller stuff right and the reason yeah. why is because i was like it seems like bangers have sort of lost their place in the world and like you know no one's allowed to go out to clubs and listen to them anyway so and that's kind of the main reason you'd write a banger right is to sort of you know make um you know create this like big dance party environment yeah. but yeah i mean thinking about it that way maybe this time 
needs more bangers than any because it needs to you know send people to this mental space where they feel like they're they're at a party or whatever yeah it's funny as you bring up idm because i actually had a tutorial that was taken down but i am putting it up on my only fans so if you're listening check out my free only fans or all my deleted videos and music stems are but anyways i did idm right and in that video i said idm stands for intelligent dance music which is the remember, opposite of edm which stands for extroverted dumb music yeah yeah, yeah. i remember watching this video <laughs> <laughs> You like talking about brain dance and stuff like that. Yeah, that one. I I mean, I like I I consider it like sophisticated pop. Like it's it's very much music that you could dance with your brain with. And like I like all forms of music. Like I remember I was talking to someone who's like, oh, I can't stand this music. And I was like, why? It's just music. Like even if it's bad, like produced badly or something. Like I I could appreciate it as an art form. I see it more as just like I don't know, like a painting but through time or a movie but without visual. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree like it's pretty hard for me to listen to a piece of music and not be able to find something about it that I like uh, that I something about it that I like. Yeah, that's the way to say that. Um yeah, like a lot of people for instance, um you know, they'll they'll listen to country music or something and they'll be like, "Oh, this is fucking horrid. Like I can't listen to this bullshit." Mm-hmm. And um I mean, for me, there's always like something in there that I can like, even if it's, you know, the hi-hat, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, country, country music makes a lot of money. And they went into like the best studio in Nashville or whatever and recorded this hi-hat through like a $60,000 microphone running into like a $100,000 preamp. And then it was mixed by a guy who was paid $4,000 an hour to run it through an SSL desk and like do all this shit. I'm like, that's a pretty good sounding hi-hat, you know, the song sucks ass, but damn that's a good hi-hat <laughs> i think I there's think, always something like i that think it's appreciate. interesting how you went through like a yeah you went through like a technical level like you saw like the vibration come out and go through all this like uh, uh electrical gear and engineering but i think when it comes out the person that's going to be listening to it is going to appreciate the story they're telling because i find a lot of country music is just telling a story but to uh music yeah, that's a good point. And usually the story has some something to do with like their wife leaving them or something like that, right? Yeah, well, for every like wife drinking a beer in like a truck and having a dog, there's always like really complex stories about like unfaithfulness or like losing a loved one. Like they're, they're, they're sprinkled to the top, like with rap too. Like not all rap is just like, I'm the greatest. Like there's some really like backpacker kind of like, uh, introspective rap that talks about like the human character and their perception of reality and stuff like th- like that that's one thing i like is when you go deep in a genre you can find some like crazy things in it man have you watched the show who is america by sasha baron cohen no not yet oh it's so good so he plays these four different characters and one of the characters he plays is a uh, someone called like Dr. Nira something or other. And it's like this character who's supposed to be from Portland, Oregon, who's like a really far left leaning, self-hating white cis male type character. Mm -hmm. And he goes into like a rap battle with a bunch of like hip hop gangster type people. And the Mm -hmm. (laughs) the gangster guy is like, you know, going through the regular sort of uh, stuff that, that they would go through in one of these battles where he's saying like, you know, I would have a bigger penis than you and I would have sex with your wife and all this kind of shit, but in, you know, some cool gangster way. 
And um, his response is so funny. He's like, well, I will say to you, sir, that if you were to have sex with my wife, I would approve and I would go outside the yurt and I would put on my noise cancelling headphones and allow it to happen and listen to a podcast as has happened before. (laughs) This is like the best response. It's so interesting because have you ever seen like uh, actual like hip hop rap battles on YouTube? I've seen that one where they overdubbed it with some like formal English stuff. It was, uh, <laughs> you mean chat pop? Ch- no, um, fuck, what was it? R- uh, rap battle overdubbed. Uh, yeah, sorry. The video on YouTube is called Freestyle Battle Translated. Have you seen this one? Mm-mm. It's a guy called Hydrogen versus another guy called Boost. And uh, Nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. It, yeah, but I'll, like that culture is so interesting. Yeah. Because like yeah, I, I it's it like almost Shakespearean. Chat. It's like it they, is, they yeah, bounce I mean, off insults to each other in rhythm and flow. And like it, it's always so interesting to see like the people in the background because like normally when they do rap battles, like it's like a bunch of people around and just two people going at it with their wits and with their flow and stuff. So it's like always like, I don't know. I think it's I think it's like a very f- weird form of like theater, but also like kind of like it's like a dance battle like have you ever seen like a dance battle gone going on it's like that but with your body yeah totally have you seen that image that's floating around the internet of like um artists and how many words they used in their vocabulary oh sorry how many unique words they used in the first like twenty thousand words they measured or something like that no i haven't i've seen like a robot on twitter that does that with uh, musicians so this image, um, basically, it's like a left to right scale. And from left to right, you have the numbers zero to 10,000 or something like that. And mm-hmm. uh, let's say I like went to your YouTube channel and I took the first uh, like 20,000 words that you said from just any video. Like, let's say I just started at your last video and worked my way down until you had said 20,000 words. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> then I would pick how many of those words were unique or different from one another, right? And um, they did this with a bunch of rappers and I think uh, Shakespeare and, you know, some of the really good uh, old English writers that a lot of English critics like Ravel in or whatever and think are really good were way, way lower scoring on the list than people like Mosdef uh, or somebody from Mosdef or something. Um, it's most different mm-hmm. person. I don't know. Or um, and then you know, Aesop, Aesop Rock was like right at the top, basically, is what I remember. I love multisyllabic rhymes. Like um, let's see, what's a good one? Battling, Madeline, exhibiting, oh, yeah. ribbiting. Like okay, whenever so I, f- I try to freestyle, because I, I freestyle a lot to like lo-fi hip hop music. Like you just put it on, you'd be like, uh, yeah. I always start off with like, yo, what up? My name is Frank Jeff C. Uh-huh, uh-huh, you already know of me. There's a lot of rhymes that end in E, like cheese. <laughs> and you just keep going and going until you see what comes out. So I just uh, I just did this again. Uh, oh, sorry, I just Googled this thing. And basically it says uh, I used each artist's first 35,000 lyrics. This way, prolific artists such as Jay-Z can be compared to newer artists such as Drake. And then took the number of unique words used within the within the artist's first thirty five thousand lyrics. So within the first thirty five thousand lyrics, they counted 
fucking Aesop Rock used 7,879 unique words. So like almost 7,900 unique words out of 35,000. That's crazy. Like how many words do we even use in a day? Because uh, I only speak English. I love listening to other languages, though. Like I love music in Spanish and Japanese, Portuguese. I really like Portuguese music. The way they say você. <laughs> the average person speaks around 5,000 words a day. Really? So like, but I'm pretty sure a lot of them aren't unique. Like you say the and like multiple times. Yeah. Oh, unique words. I'm not sure. It says the average woman speaks around 5,000 words a day, whereas the average man speaks around 2,000. And working males average two to 3,000 and females from 10 to 20,000. However, both only average about 500 to 700 words of actual value, i.e. words which have the intent to communicate to another person an item of importance to both. This means the ladies add a great deal of filler to their conversation and they wonder why men tune them out. Jesus Christ, that's a horrible sentence. Why would somebody write <laughs> yeah, this, that's, a, that's implying a lot. That's, uh, that doesn't seem very, what's the word? Neutral. Yeah, the source is from a book called Men Are Pigs. Uh, <laughs> okay. I think they're humans. Um I, uh, actually, the, the proper term would be homo sapien, I believe. That's what we are. Wait. I might have some on. Neanderthal in me, though. So this book is by a guy called Woody Miller. So, mm-hmm. fuck Woody Miller. And um, <laughs> it's, it's called Men Are Pigs, But We Love Pork, The Gay Sex and Dating Guide. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> cool. I was going to say, um, do you, since we're talking about like words, do you mess with like linguistics at all? I do not, but quite often I do get interested in etymology and I'll be like, I wonder how that word exists and I'll Google it and find out. But that's about as far as I go. Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I try to listen to about a podcast a day. Um, if not, if, that's a lot if it's of words. a day that I'm like cleaning my house, I'll just listen to podcasts all day. So like three or four podcasts. It's funny you say that because, like, I'll listen to books from a robot voice, and that's kind of like a podcast. I'll just have my little robot voice read me, like, a random book on, like, how did Amazon get started? The history of Amazon. And I just have a little robot lady read to me, and I'm like, cool. I'm, I'm more into, like, audiobooks. I think one day I'd love to make an audiobook, like, just have, like, a, a really deep asthma voice. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's B. This is my book. Let's start on page one. <laughs> How to become a successful music producer. You know, like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. How do you deal with the like robot voice reading you a book? Don't you think that gets like a little annoying to hear that voice? Not really. I think I'm very monotone. Actually, when I first started, I used to create this character where I would just be as like neutral as possible. So I'd be like, hello, everyone. My name is Frank. And in today's video tutorial, I'm going to teach you how to make a video just like this. So first, you're, what you're going to want to do is open up FL Studio, insert joke, insert joke, insert joke that a lot of other people copied me and they copied me straight word for word and didn't even credit me. And then those videos got more views. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> Wait, who, who's copying you? Um, I've, I've been told like a lot of people because like a lot of people kind of took my my genre where it's like a funny how to because I was just doing it for shits and giggles, like as a shit post. I never took it seriously. 
But then like a lot of people would do like a how to trap in under five minutes and they would like copy what I would say verbatim from my trap video. And like a lot of other people would just, um, I don't know, like just do their own remixes. You know how like a music genre works or like if one person does something that they think is cool, they'll copy it and take from it, take bits and pieces of it and continue making stuff. So I see a lot of people doing similar stuff to what I was doing, but like I don't watch it because I, I, I usually get like some like internal cringe and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. <laughs> see that <laughs> like do you think underbelly is doing that i've never seen underbelly i i don't really watch a lot of music youtubers i just make the music mm. i mean what every so you... often i mostly i watch like cute cat videos meme videos i love history videos um what else do i watch i like digging up old music like i like listening to music made before i was born so i like finding music videos like that hmm interesting yeah, I, I never, what do I listen to that was made before I was born? Not a lot. I mean, was Helmet around before I was born? Yeah, they probably were. I don't, I'm trying to think, like, let's see. Most of the stuff I listen to definitely comes from the 2000s or the 2010s. So you're a futurist. Where do you see the future of music coming? I really think it depends on technology. I think, like, we're all just a product of, of the technology that we're that we have access to right yeah like vaporwave for instance like only exists because daws and shit exist and synths exist right without somebody creating those things like no one would have created vaporwave yeah so i think it really depends on where we go with music and i also think it really depends on um how accessible music production becomes because if music production like it was in say the early 2000s or something like that is only accessible to those who are like super smart basically or mm -hmm. you know have a lot of money and are able to afford the instruments and gear necessary to make music then you're going to get a very different outcome to if you can produce like a you know multi-million dollar sounding recording off an iPhone which I mean we're, we're getting closer to but not only you need to have an iPhone and then, you know, download this free app or something, but then you need like the technical knowledge too. So if technology makes it easier to get past all of those hurdles, I mean, music could go in so many different directions, right? Because if everybody has access to making it and everybody's like <clears throat> essentially on the same playing field, then it's kind of just like you have opinions, you know, music will be like opinions. I like that though. I mean, I feel like there should be more music in the world and it should be like more open, like open source music. I like the idea of like everyone has the ability to make their own music. Hmm, but open source would mean that um, you would be able to take somebody else's music and fork it in any way you see fit. And, I kind of like uh, that idea. Without I mean, having sometimes, to like credit the other person at all. Sometimes someone will take a piece of my music and sample it and do other stuff to it and like sometimes they'll tell me sometimes they won't and i'll be like wait this sounds like something i made but like i also think it's like <laughs> you give what you get because when i was first starting off i used to just like take people's melodies and sample stuff and just be like well they're not gonna find out like no one really cares about you sampling until you make your first platinum record then everyone wants a cut of that you know Right, but if it's real open source, you can't sell the forks that you make either. Like with open source software, if you mm -hmm. take something that's open source off GitHub and you fork it and you make your own thing out of it, um, you also have to make the thing that you made free. 
Yeah. Because I remember when I got my first laptop, I wanted to install Linux on it. And I put Linux on it and I was like, oh, but then I can't put all this other software on it. Okay, so then I just partitioned it into, not partitioned it. What is it? I just put Windows back on there. <laughs> I, what was your first DAW? Ableton. Oh, no, sorry. Um, GarageBand. And then oh, okay. I think from there I went to Fruity Loops. And then I, actually I went through like so many DAWs. I used eMagic's Logic 5. And then I used like Nuendo, mm -hmm. I think it was at the time, like the very early Cubase. And then um, and then I think I also <clears throat> tried Cubase 4 or 5, I think it was at the time. And then eventually I landed on Ableton, I think it was version 4 or 5 at the time as well. My start was like all over the place. I remember finding out what a MIDI file was like sometime in like, I want to say like elementary school because like I really wanted to play video games on my family's PC. So I found out that emulation was a thing. So I emulated a bunch of like Super Nintendo games and I was like, cool, I want to listen to their music because that was one of the first like defining like musical moments for me. It was like I want to learn how to play the Legend of Zelda songs, the Chrono Trigger songs, the Super Mario songs. And then I found out what MIDI was. And when I play the MIDI, I was like, cool, I just play it on Windows Movie Player. But then I found out you could get other software where it would show you the notes. And I was like, holy crap. So the first one I got was like a, this like MIDI notation app where it would just play and then you could print it out. Cause I remember I'd have to print the, out the sheet music cause like I had dial up. So I had to go online, print it out so I could have it offline. But then I found the studio, um, not studio, the software called Anvil studio. And it was like more in depth and it even had like drum programming. So like it had like a special track on track 10 for the drums where you could do like a, I guess piano roll, like uh, stuff like that. And I was like creating like crazy, like uh, loops, like boom, like crazy stuff. And I was like, oh, cool, you could do this. So then that is what led me to like test out all the other DAWs. The first one I used was called Mixcraft because they had like a free version hmm. and it came with its own instruments and stuff like that. So I made like a bunch of Mixcraft stuff and like I uploaded that to my MySpace in like 2008. But then I remember my uncle, who used to be like an old school DJ break dancer from the 80s, gave me a Casio keyboard. And with the Casio keyboard, it was like his old stuff. He also gave me like a disc of like Fruity Loops 5. And I remember when I opened it, I was like, whoa, this is kind of dumb. I don't like it. But then like as time went on, like I was like, well, it's the easiest one to pirate. So that, that's the one that I got. And I've just been sticking to it since like 2009, I think 2009, 10. And just going from there. So now I've been working in it for like the past 13 years. And that's all I know. Oh, nice. I've tried other ones. I tried Ableton, but I couldn't get into it. Yeah, a lot of people who use Fruity Loops find it really hard to use other pieces of software. Um, and the reason why is because Fruity Loops just works so uniquely to everything else, I think. Like, I think if you, if you learn basically any other software other than Fruity Loops, it's much easier to transition to something else. Like, for instance, if you know Ableton, it's like mm -hmm. almost overnight you can transition to Bitwig basically because it's like the same program essentially. Um, or, you know, if you know how to use like Logic and Cubase <clears throat> and, you know, you can transition between the two pretty easily because they sort of work the same. They're, they're all very like mm -hmm. linear. Whereas Fruity Loops is kind of weird in that you have to like attach clips to a mixer and then you have to attach like the mixer channels to like other shit and just all this like it's just very modular which in its own way is like kind of powerful and interesting because <clears throat> you can do a lot of crazy routing stuff and the workflow can be like very bespoke to you 
uh, the program doesn't really like force yeah. you into a, a a workflow of any kind. And the other thing with Fruity Loops is like there's just menus that just keep going forever. And I feel like uh, the reason why is because they started out just as like a drum machine, right? And then they just kept building on top of it. And they've just been like, all right, now we have like a mix window, a mixer, and now we have like a edit window, and they just keep like building these like windows on top of everything. So you just end up now with these like cr- crazy like deep menus. Um, it just it just yeah, that's kind of why I like it. I just like windows, I guess. I like little boxes that pop up. Yeah, it feels a lot like uh, a modular program that was sort of built bit by bit rather than you know thought out initially as like a program that sort of was meant to be as one um whereas other programs i think like ableton they sort of started with the overall idea of what they wanted to do and then just added features to that rather than added like whole different aspects to it do you think uh based on the daws you could tell like a person's music production from each other like oh this is definitely made an fl or this is made no, I used to think I could, but I, I've been proven wrong so many times that I don't think I can. Like, I, I mean... Like, I downloaded your uh, Spectra sample pack, and I was, like, playing with it. And I was like, mm. this sounds very hyper-pop. Like, I feel like I could make, like, a really crazy hyper-pop banger out of it. But, like, in FL Studio, I wouldn't be able to make something like those sounds at all. Really? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess I could, like, if I wanted to. But I'm more into, like, uh, emulating... Uh, like old keyboards, like I'm really into the Korg M1, uh, the Wave Station, and what's mm. another one I've been using? Uh, the DX7, like all the 80s kind of like, they were just kind of like plug and play. They didn't really have like that much. Uh, well, they, they did have like their own kind of stuff you could like do sound design on. Also like the Juno uh, 106, I think. Mm. Like I'm really into like those vintage sounds. And then like, one of my favorite things about doing is like creating ratios in like the like parameters. So like um, on the on the Roland sense, they they go from like zero to two hundred and fifty five. So instead of like being like okay, I'll go this certain degree, I'll go to one hundred and twenty eight or sixty four, which is like a fraction of like those numbers. I don't know, like when it comes to mixing and stuff, like I was really into like decibels theory. So I'm like, okay, these vocals have to be negative six because that's half the way from zero to this. And like these hi-hats need to be negative uh, 12 because that's like 25%. And like, I would just do that with like mixing. How, how do you mix? Do you like do it by ear or like, cause I know you have like all these tutorials and stuff. So like, do you talk about those yeah, sort of stuff? Yeah, I totally just do it all by ear at this point um like i've pretty much i so i learned all the traditional mixing stuff like i went to university and got an audio engineering degree and stuff but um so i know like all of that stuff but i kind of threw it all out the window a little bit um or at least like i know where the rules are able to be broken now whereas you know, there was a point where I was doing the same thing where I was like, oh, you, you know, if you render out a pre-master, it has to have exactly this much headroom and you have to add dithering only once at this point. And like, you know, things have to have this much headroom and ha- you know, nothing can be like distorting or clipping and like you should never mix into a limiter, right? And like all of this kind of, you know, these traditional ideas. And <clears throat> at this point, I just don't give a shit. Like everything in my session is clipping. I mix into a limiter every time. Um, I put distortion on everything. I like soft clip everything. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, at this point I just sort of do it all by ear and if, you know, something sounds too quiet, 
um, I just turn it up. And if something needs to be brighter, I just like add brightness. And this is the other thing is like um, I used yeah. to have this uh, this sort of idea about subtractive versus additive EQ and like how subtractive EQ was better. Um, but now I just don't mm. give a shit. I just if I need something needs to be brighter, I just boost the highs a ton <laughs> on an EQ and like, um, yeah. At this point, if to me, I'm like it's, very much of the mindset that if it sounds good, it is good. And just because you got there in some weird way, it doesn't make it bad. That's a good way to think about it. I th- I'm all about like the loudness war right now. So like, um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah, I squashed my song, my my songs to be just super loud. And then like coming over like a, a club speaker, everyone was like, wow, that was like... It was just like super crazy loud. Like it wasn't too bad. Like people were like, my ears are bleeding. But like afterwards, this like synthwave guy was like, how do you get your mix so clean? And I was like, I literally squashed all my songs to be as loud as possible. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right, is quite often people will say to me as well, like, how do you get your shit so clean? And it's like, uh, just ass loads of high end. Like, that's all it is. It's like what, what will make something sound like very clear and crisp versus, you know, not and like very muffled is high frequencies and i mean you can prove it like if i put my hand over my mouth and talk like this it doesn't sound as clear as if i'm talking like this right um and that's because i'm just removing or i'm filtering out all of the high frequencies by putting my hand in front of my mouth and it takes away all of this and and all the stuff that makes my voice clear um, it's the same with music, especially um, hi hats. They're they're incredibly important because it's like all that tss, tss shit is like what really drives your track and like what really gives the beat like a lot of um, I guess for lack of a better word like diction, like it gives the beat a lot forward of... movement. Yeah, I would also say that's the thing that burns your ears at a festival because I love like going. I love being up next to a speaker, but I always put in uh, earplugs because I don't want hearing damage, but I love feeling my entire body vibrate. But one time I was like, hmm, I want to take it out and see what it feels like. And I was like, ow, <laughs> yeah. that burned. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful as well, right? Like Soothe is um, a really good plug-in for this to... I want to get Soothe. I saw um, like that one beat breakdown by Disclosure because like they released the song Molly Molly and that's like one of my favorite songs of all time. So I was like watching the video and they're like Soother and I'm like, I need yeah, that. Yeah, it just like pulls I think it's all like the resonance 400. out of everything. No, I think it's yeah. like 200 bucks. But um, yeah, it like just is like a spectral resonance remover. It's so good at just EQing out the stuff you don't want. Yeah, because I love blasting my music in headphones. Like, sometimes I'll EQ it just so I could blast it and not have the highs, like, burn my ear holes. Mm. Man, if you don't want hearing damage, yeah, you shouldn't blast your headphones. That's one of the easiest ways to get hearing damage. I mean, I don't have tinnitus. I can hear silence. So I think I'm doing an okay job with the low end. I mean, the high end. Hmm. I was actually going to say... High end is not what gives you tinnitus. It's actually the low end that fucks you up. Really? Yeah, so if you think about it, um, like what does damage to your eardrums is sound pressure. Mm-hmm. And the stuff with the most sound pressure is low frequencies. So it's like, it's just the shit that will like rattle your eardrum the most. Yeah, but the stuff okay. that hurts is the high frequencies. So it's kind of counterintuitive. Interesting. Do you ever look at like the ear and how it's designed and how it looks like a little snail? Yeah, it has like the um, the canal and like it has these things called ossicles which are these like bones that uh, when they get hit with sound, like vibrate really quickly. And then basically 
send into, I guess, some form of transducer, which converts it into electrical energy that goes into your brain. I think it's cool that it looks like a little Fibonacci spiral because I like to add like a lot of Fibonacci uh like sequences into my music like when i create layers like one two three five eight like i'll go as big as like you know 13 layers and if i want to do another one i'm like well i better go up to like what is it 21 like i like to follow like those kind of patterns when i layer stuff that's cool um there's a lot of like speaker design that's done in this way with the snail type thing um like pk they have a sub Mm -hmm. and Inside the sub box, um, the cone is like a giant snailed cone. And the reason why is because you know how like uh, uh, frequencies, especially low frequencies, they take like a lot of distance to propagate properly. So for like a 20 hertz um, sine wave or whatever, like a really low frequency, uh, in the physical realm, it actually takes like 10 meters for that like cycle to happen one time, you know? so they have these like giant coned up uh these sorry giant like spiraled up cones inside the speaker box so before the frequency even leaves the sub it's already traveled like 12 meters interesting i think it's cool how it's like organic like it's based in organic nature but like it's done digitally or like through engineering like i like to think of like the algorithm is physically yeah Like, I like to think of, like, the internet algorithm as, like, a giant brain. Like, it's literally everyone's thoughts put into one thing. Like, the internet algorithm is all of our collective thoughts put together. Wait, the internet algorithm? Yeah, like, Google's algorithm, YouTube algorithm, how we're shown uh, content is based off of everyone's input. Well, no, how you're shown content is based off your input. Like, you like, you get shown stuff on YouTube because of your behavior on the internet. Not, not because of everybody else's behavior. Yeah, but like I'm Maybe saying like everyone's, yeah, everyone's collective data that they're putting in there, like that's how things kind of go viral. It's like, well, you, we know these people like this and it's almost like spontaneous discovery. Like, have you ever thought of something and like somewhere in the world, like someone else will be thinking the exact same thing and it's just like some sort of like spontaneous moment where everyone just comes up with a new genre randomly, even though they've never met or talked before? Yeah, like that hundredth monkey idea, is it? Or... I don't know. No, I think the hundredth monkey thing is like um, when enough people get good at a thing, then everybody is just instantly sort of good at it. It's sort of like with Ableton, right? Like in, or just music production in general. In 2010 or something, everyone was like kind of shitty at it and everyone was like, how does Skrillex make these sounds? And like no one could figure it out. And now it's like just everyone knows how to do it. I miss that like early 2010 internet. Do you like, did you ever listen to a lot of Complectro at all? I remember I wanted to make Complectro so bad. Sorry, my cat is uh, trying to tell me that she's got the toy. Like, it's okay. I understand how cats talk. I could talk back to cats all the time. (laughs) Like, one of my favorite things about cats is the way they talk to humans. Like, in the wild, they don't talk to each other like that. Like, they probably talk telepathically or they just understand each other instinctually. Unless they're mad at each other and they hiss. But, like, they meow at humans because they know that's how we, like, pay attention to them. Interesting. I didn't actually realize that. Yeah, and they purr, too. I like when they purr. It's it's such a nice frequency. It's like they're massaging their entire body. They're covered in bees. Yeah, so I think, um, do you know how a cat purrs? No. I might be wrong. I'm going to Google it. Um, But I'm pretty sure they vibrate their bones. Oh, no, I'm wrong. 
So it's like the cats fun. produce a purring noise by using <laughs> the vocal folds or the muscles of the larynx to alternately dilate and constrict the glottis rapidly, causing air vibrations during inhalation and exhalation. I don't know why I thought it was them vibrating their bones. That's it, it feels very, like, strong. I mean, that means we could do it, too. So that's all cats are doing is just going... Yeah, true. Whenever <laughs> I try to purr, like, if I can purr, but it has to be with my tongue, I think. I like... Yeah, that's a tongue thing. Yeah. That's how we get a closer sound to theirs, because theirs is very high because they're tiny. Apparently a cat's Like, do you ever think, like, if, if humans... Whoa. Like, if, if humans were twice the size they would be now, their voice would be an octave lower? Yeah, I've never thought of that, but it makes sense. Does that mean of a human... Wait, but, but what about little people? They don't have voices an octave higher, right? Well, I would think it would be, like, the structure of, like, the vocal cords and how that's, like, designed... So, like, let's say some uh, a human has twice the size of a regular human's vocal cords. Would it be an octave lower, and they would speak like 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 a pitched like twelve semitone down? I think everything would have to. And be And then, exactly at what point would it be unaudible? <clears throat> yeah, if everything was exactly twice as big, like your lungs, your uh, throat, your vocal cords, your tongue. Imagine having a tongue that was twice as big as it is right now. But you didn't even notice, like, whales do. Whales are super huge. Yeah, to the point where they just, like, emit, like, these really crazy low sonars and shit. Yeah, and that's how they talk. True, yeah, maybe it's just um, the reason we only hear it as, like, a sonar every now and then is because they're so much bigger than us. Not only do they speak, like, an octave lower, but it's kind of like... Um, sorry, I just have to, like, get my cat off when she goes to do that because sometimes she steps on the power button on my computer and turns it off. Um, but, uh, oh, my God. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, wait, what was I saying? Oh, I was saying because whales are so much bigger. Maybe it's, like, re-pitching a sample where, like, when you pitch it down, not only does it go lower in pitch, but it also, like, gets slower to account for that lowness in pitch. So maybe yeah. they're actually talking however many times bigger they are than us like let's say a thousand times they're also talking like a thousand times slower than we are maybe yeah they maybe they even perceive time different than us like because uh communication is like you know error and time and stuff like that but like to them it would be sl so different to us that they think that we speak like really fast and tiny and they're like what the hell are they saying you know I was even yeah. thinking about that with plants. Like, do you think plants have consciousness and they perceive us? Because, like, plants are living things, too. And how would they perceive us? Like, I know they don't have eyes or ears, but they could, like, feel vibrations. They like music. They like sun. Yeah, I guess how the would question they perceive us is, out? do you think there is something like it is to be a plant? Like, is there a state of being that it is like to be a plant? Or if you were a plant, would you it grow. just be like lights out? You know, like are you just as are you just a brick? In There's a house? darkness. Yeah, exactly. Like, is there darkness yeah. and just no thought and nothing, or is like, is there a state at which it is like to be a plant? <clears throat> and then, it, like, if you think about that, think about like more complex realities. Like, we exist in this one. What if there's like bands of existence that we can't even comprehend because we are so bound to these? I think the next level mm. is just our technology. Like, I've been playing, like, VR chat and just, like, doing that, pretending to be, like, Garfield and running around. Uh, man, but, like, have you, have you I been think... uh, Ugandan Knuckles? No, not yet. Just Garfield. 
Nice. Although I want to be taller because I don't like being short in those areas. Because like whenever I'm, I'm like shorter in real life, I feel so intimidated by everyone. But I'd want to be like a tall thing so I could be like, okay, this is how people look. But then even in VR, like I'd rather just float around and fly through stuff. Hmm. I don't know. That's just my preference, though. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, VR chat is kind of cool. I have a v- I bought a VR headset like a few months ago. I used it a bunch when I first got it, and I haven't really messed around with it too much lately. I need to get back into it though because VR is pretty sick. Have you played Beat Saber? No, but uh, I know what it is. Actually, yeah, I have played it. Yeah, what am I talking about? Yeah, it's like one where you like, yeah, Beat basically Saber's like cool. Guitar Hero for beats, right? You should put your music on Beat Saber. I think there's ways you can like map it and like it'll be really cool. You could set up different levels. You'd have like advanced and then like medium and r- regular like easy. And that'd cause like inter like interaction with music. Like I like that idea. Yeah, that would be cool. Actually, my buddy uh, Tipper has his music, I think, on there. Yeah. I think like he... I remember one of my first like big things was playing Guitar Hero. Like I was like super obsessed with Guitar Hero. I wanted to get like expert on everything. And like... I feel like it does kind of go into musicality. Like, yeah, you're not necessarily hitting the notes, but you are hitting rhythms and patterns and your brain gets used to it or you get like a a musicality to it almost. Yeah, true. I mean, I guess it's like DDR as well, right? Oh, yeah. DDR was like my favorite game of all time. I think one of the main reasons I even like techno music and like house music and like super bubbly stuff is because of DDR. Yeah, I played DDR. Like whenever I go to the club... I just think of the the each beat is a different thing, and I'm like, hell yeah, I'm hit, I'm getting perfect each time. <laughs> yeah, I uh, played a bunch of DDR last time I went to Australia, which was about a year ago. Um, I was like staying in an Airbnb near a time zone. Time zone is like an, a big like chain of arcades in Australia, uh, sort of like Dave and Buster's, I guess. Um, so I was like going to that a lot and like playing DDR, which is kind of cool. But, um, yeah, other than that, I haven't played much DDR. I found it, like, just insane how fast some people were. Like, there was these uh, kids in there who were just fucking crazy quick at it, man. And they would, like, hold onto that rail behind them and just be like... <laughs> it's, like, yeah. crazy fast foot tapping. Well, you have to. Yeah, imagine if, like, they didn't put that rail there. Well, you just had to, like... <laughs> well, they probably learned, like... You ever look at things and wonder why they're there and realize they're there because someone's actually, like been hurt or like something has happened so that's why that this exists now like rails and like boundaries and like exits emergency exits or like when you're on the freeway or something seeing like all the ways that like they designed it because the trial and error human error for some reason my natural instinct is to look at things and think they exist due to negligence not due to like mm-hmm. you know intelligent construction or anything like that i usually look at something and go like that's dumb why'd they put that there (laughs) (laughs) that's dumb like i think that's my my general uh style of thinking most of the time which is probably unhealthy i should probably (laughs) start looking at things and being like oh that's probably there for a good reason (laughs) yeah i try to think positively i think i'm like uh what's the word that's coming out toxic positivity Mm. where i'm like i'm just extremely happy at all times even when i'm sad that seems healthy i mean at least like everyone around you will feel good around you right like that's pretty positive Mm, i don't think so i think sometimes it's like contagious but sometimes some people are like "Uh uh-uh this isn't my (laughs) vibe you have to get on my vibe Like, it's, do you think of people as, like, notes? 
Like certain people you could harmonize with and other people, you know, you're disharmonious with. So you kind of have to like either change your personality just a little bit to get on their wavelength. I think of, um, so I think with notes, there's a finite amount of combinations of them. Um, but with personalities, I think there's, for lack of a better understanding, an infinite amount of possibilities, you know, like it's impossible to have two people that you have the exact same relation, like type of relationship with, right? Or I mean, not exact same type of relationship, but exact same like relationship one for one, like talking to this person is exactly like talking to that person and being around this person is exactly like being around that person. I think that's like impossible, right? To have like, it's infinite, the amount of combinations you can have between personalities. And I think um, like that makes it a little more complicated than notes, I think. Because I'm a big believer yeah. of I mean, like I music being pretty finite and I, I'm also a big proponent of like artificial intelligence in music. I think artificial intelligence will be able to write human sounding music sooner than later. Yeah. But when it comes to that, I feel like a lot of it's more personality based now. Like, yeah, music can be generated, but I think more people are going to be like, I want to see what this person is making and what that music sounds like. Like a lot of the times... Uh, like you could create music in a vacuum, like even have like an anonymous face or like, like a VTuber, but for music, you know, like you create your own like character that you see that persona as. But if you look at the charts, a lot of it's like personality based. So it's people like, um, I don't, I don't know the, the word that I could use correctly, but like are gravitated to these certain people based off of their sound and vibe. So like when I was saying like harmony with other people, I say like, you you kind of vibrate on like a thing that like almost amplifies your energy. I'm I'm all talking like abstract here, but yes, indeed. Mm. Well, man, this is a interesting conversation and I'd love to go down this rabbit hole way more, but I have to jump on another meeting in 7 minutes unfortunately. Um it's okay. But, man, it was awesome having you on and we should definitely do it again sometime and talk more about this philosophical stuff because I actually really like talking about this. Me too. Thank you very much, Mr. Bill Toon's podcast, <laughs> available on YouTube. It is available on YouTube, yeah. If you can. And Spotify? It's available on any podcatcher. And Ooh. Which, I mean, it doesn't matter that we're promoting it right here at the end of the podcast because that means the person has listened to the entire podcast already. <laughs> Yeah. Imagine like getting to the end of the podcast and being like, no way, this is on YouTube. Fucking get off Apple Podcasts. I'm going (laughs) to go to YouTube and listen to this again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I've, if I could promote anything, uh, listen to, listen to my music on Spotify because that pays. Actually, yes. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. (laughs) 